Hello, welcome to Green Heritage Futures. My name is Lucy Latham and this is a podcast series showcasing the projects and voices of those working at the intersection of cultural heritage and climate change. This podcast is brought to you by Julie's Bicycle and is part of the European Union's Horizon 2020 Rock Project. In this episode of Green Heritage Futures, I am joined by Miranda Matty, Director of the Climate Museum. Miranda, thank you so much for joining us. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for having me. So, Miranda, can you tell us, at what point in your career um, did you start to bring together topics of culture and climate change? What was it responding to? I was such a late bloomer in so many respects on this. I started off my career as a civil rights impact litigator, a social justice trial lawyer, essentially. And it's now very hard for me to understand and wrap my mind around, but I was quite dismissive of environmental concerns in general and thought that they were essentially luxury ticket items for people who didn't face real problems on a day-to-day basis. It gradually dawned on me and penetrated my thick skull. (laughs) The environment is the ultimate social justice issue, that if we don't have an equal right to thrive in our environment as organisms, as creatures, then the right to racially integrated schooling or the right to a workplace free from sexual harassment or any of the other absolutely critical and central social justice concerns that I was working on falls away. You can't execute on or exercise any of those rights properly if you don't have an equal right to a healthy environment. So the first turn was toward recognizing the environment as a primary terrain of equality and inequality and the struggle for equality. And once that turn was made, uh, a couple of years after that, it just started to become clear to me that all of the vital work that my colleagues, I was then at a new organization, doing civil rights and environmental justice and immigrants' rights work across the city of New York, all of the vital work that we were doing was both figuratively and literally going to be swamped by the climate crisis if we didn't address that directly. So those were the first two stages of a three-stage process. Hurricane Sandy hit New York City. I was alone in my apartment, and I had a tectonic plate shift in my psychology. I'd been increasingly harboring those thoughts about climate but pushing them away. And on that day, it became clear to me that I needed to direct my energies toward climate in a full-fledged way. And the Climate Museum as a notion, the idea of doing work at the intersection of climate and culture came into my mind fully formed to the extent that I assumed I had read about it somewhere and was plagiarizing inadvertently and needed to go track down the person who was doing this fabulous project so that I could join her or him. And I was astounded, and I remain astounded, that there is no museum dedicated to climate in the United States. There's only one in the world, though there are now starting to be many other projects like this, I'm I'm delighted to say, and many museums recognizing why we need museum programming on climate. So it was really three quite belated turning points for me. A A lot of people I know picked up on the centrality of the climate challenge and the need to rise to it together and the importance of cultural work within that, the necessity of cultural work within that much earlier in life than I did. 
And what then, from your perspective, do you think culture brings to the challenge of climate change? What are the opportunities? What is the the value of culture? Right. So I think a, a first thing to say about that predicate thing is we really need all hands on deck. So people who are working in finance, we need climate finance efforts. People who work on public policy, say transportation, we need public policy initiatives on climate and transportation. People who are artistic and cultural producers, all of that needs to be happening, bluntly, at a much higher level than it now is, though all of it's picking up, for us to successfully meet this set of enormous and epic challenges. And culture is a central part of that. We can't solve this problem with only a vanguard It's often been the case that Margaret Mead's dictum about never doubting that a small group of highly determined people can change everything, that's often true for addressing a lot of pressing and entrenched social problems. Uh, But for climate change, because it's so all-encompassing and because it touches every aspect of the human experience, we need broader understanding and broader dialogue about climate and a broader vanguard than we have to resolve other extraordinarily difficult existential problems. I will also say that because climate and the climate crisis are so hard for us to understand, that's another reason why cultural work is absolutely essential. They're cognitively hard and they're emotionally hard. We didn't evolve to deal with this. Our species did not grow up biologically with this problem. We started creating it very recently and we started understanding it even more recently than that. So while I 100% don't want this to be taken as a form of softness on the conscious campaign of lying to the public for profit that was engaged in by Exxon and other oil majors, then that's been a critical factor in slowing us down. It is also true that it's hard for us to wrap our minds and hearts around the extent of what's going on. We just don't know how to deal with risks distributed like this in time and space. Culture can help because it's a softer, stickier pathway into engagement and therefore capable of meeting people where their concerns already lie and opening a door in a way that is more inviting and less overwhelming and more intelligible. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And what about then the, because your organisation is called the Climate Museum, not Climate Art Gallery or Climate Theatre. What do you think is significant about the term museum in this case? The first thing to say there is that we need all of these efforts. We need cultural programming around climate to take a multitude of forms. And the reality is that nobody knows for sure what's going to work best in this most unprecedented of human situations. The reasons that we had for choosing the cultural idea of museumness to frame this project are that museums are enormously popular and deeply trusted. So a fantastic level of transformational power in terms of expressing social values, creating community around difficult questions, providing opportunities for sensory and communal experiences. The basic theory of change is we don't live in our frontal lobes. We live in our emotional selves and in our communal selves. That's fundamental to our understanding. Even the nerdiest and most rationalistic among us 
mostly we live where our feelings are and where our connections to other people are. And museums are an outstanding set of spaces for opening human beings up to those kinds of experiences and therefore have a responsibility to turn toward climate programming. But a fully dedicated museum can take advantage of the range of programming opportunities. So I know that sounds like a strange thing to say that climate offers because we need to. We need to reach people who are interested in sports by doing programming around climate and sports. We need to reach people who are interested in history by doing programming around historical climatology. So museums offer the prospect of really diverse programming, and we need that to bring more people in. And they offer the prospect of emotional and physical learning. And for all those reasons, the museum as a form seems really important to us. I will add that a museum can seem like a term that's referencing a dusty reliquary, So it doesn't come without its downsides. In the United States every year, we see more museum visits than attendance at major league sporting events, the top 20 amusement parks, and national park visitation combined. It's an extraordinary audience. And again, one that's deeply trusted to deliver vetted information, in particular on climate that's been pulled. And what then have you got planned for the Climate Museum over the next year or two? Well, we have coming up this spring, we have two very exciting programs focused on youth. We're also supporting the Youth Climate Strikers later this month, and our Youth Advisory Council is organizing a contingent, the most irreducible form of injustice in the climate crisis, and there are a lot of injustices in it is the intergenerational injustice of it and the way in which young people are stepping forward to assert themselves as leaders in this crisis is a major key success factor for humanity. So we're doing everything we can to support that book directly by supporting the activism through our Youth Advisory Council and also by presenting a new platform for youth cultural leadership in the form of a spoken word training program and competition that's taking place across New York City and ending in a performance on one of the most storied stages in New York City, the Apollo Theater. And we also have an exhibition focused on pathways forward in the climate crisis that centrally foregrounds the role of young people around the globe in taking steps toward a brighter climate-safe future for humanity. Past that, we have plans for a number of other art and other inter- and multidisciplinary interventions as we scale our way out first to a temporary interim space where we'll deepen the proof of concept for why not only is this programming needed, which I'd be curious to know if you've found this with Julie's Bicycle, we've found over the last couple of years that it's no longer in any way contentious, controversial, or even a question that this kind of programming is needed, interdisciplinary cultural programming that helps draw people into the climate crisis and into engaging with it and talking about it and moving us forward. That's now radically uncontroversial. And that's new. That wasn't true two years ago. What still needs proving out is the idea that a space that's dedicated to that programming has its additional value. So we're scaling out to create such a space by 2022. Amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. 
Very exciting. So do you have a learning, something that you've learned on your journey so far that you could share? Here's the critical contradiction that I see on being active in this space. While we're in the fight of our lives, in spite of our species life as a whole, we need to set aside the fight impulse that's been so useful to us as human beings for so much of our evolutionary history. There's an asterisk there for the need to combat the political hold that the fossil fuel industry has on American politics in particular that will require waging conflict. There's no doubt about that. But in a general way, we're in an unprecedented situation that requires an unprecedented level of cross-sectoral collaboration, cross-community collaboration, collaboration and partnership and amity across the many different kinds of tribes that as humans we construct in our social lives. And there's a kind of softness and compassion and gentleness that this incredibly acute, challenging moment requires. So I would underscore the need for softness with ourselves and toward other people as an essential needed mechanism or component of how we wage this absolutely intense and fierce fight. And I would also note as a side point that a part of that is being more open than ever to adjust and to recognize error when it presents itself and to not be locked into old ways of doing things or thinking about things because we are in a brand new situation. Things are changing in a way that will result in a sudden sense of being in an entirely new phase and being super sensitive to how we can best facilitate that means being really open to having been wrong five minutes ago. And that's a really amazing thing that arts and culture can do in support of this is that uh, around building empathy and creating the conditions for openness and collaboration and diversity of approaches and perspectives. Absolutely. I think art bring the inclusiveness, openness, curiosity, compassion, empathy. And also when you're engaging with art, no matter how dark the message of the art in question might be, you're engaging with that message through an inherently inspiring medium, one that expresses our creativity, our talent, our ability to make new experiences for each other. There's a fundamental collectivity built into art that we don't see in other areas of human endeavor, and that that's part of what makes the cultural terrain so important on climate. Great. Well, thank you so much, Miranda. Um, that was incredibly inspirational and brilliant to get your perspective. So I'd like to say thank you once again to Miranda Massey from the Climate Museum. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. It's been wonderful to speak with you as always, and I'm delighted to have been included. Thank you so much for doing this. You've been listening to Green Heritage Futures, a podcast by Julie's Bicycle as part of the European Union's Horizon 2020 Rock Project. Julie's Bicycle is a London-based charity that supports and empowers the creative community to act on climate change and environmental sustainability. Check out our website for more information. Thanks for listening.